Well, I want to um, I want to start with a um, a confession. Some of you know this confession, some of you might not, and I reckon it might divide opinions as well, depending on your political views. The confession is this, that I have private health care. Now, some of you will have views about whether that's good or bad for the NHS, whether the NHS being privatised, whether that takes a burden off the NHS or whether that's a blessing. But the reality is, is I didn't buy it. The wonderful employer that I have three days of the week blesses me with private health care. And that just comes as part of their, their thing of going, come and work for us. This is what makes it good to work for, for this company. And what that means is that Karen and I both get access to private health care. And, and at the, the moment when everything is overrun and it's really difficult to get a doctor's appointment, I can literally go on an app on my phone, as we did the other night, and go, I need a doctor's appointment. And I could speak to a doctor within a couple of hours. I could have even had a doctor's appointment at 3 a.m. the other week. I don't know why anyone would want to and why doctors are working at 3 a.m. And, and then having accessed a private doctor, if we need to see a consultant, I can see a consultant within a couple of days. Now, I, I'm watching your faces here like, why is he just being so smug about this, right? Because it, it's not, not something I would choose to spend my money on, but it's something I've been blessed with through my employer. But... I could look and go, this just isn't fair. And Karen and I often talk about how it's not fair when we've got friends and people who have not been able to get access to the healthcare they need. And meanwhile, within a very short space of time, we can have access to really good healthcare. And it, it produces a bit of a moral dilemma inside because we feel really bad. I, genuinely, I'm not just saying this to make you like me anymore, right? It's just like, it's just not fair. It's not fair that the world is like that, that there are those who do and those who don't, the haves and the have nots. And so we have a choice of whether we look and go, I know we've been given that benefit, but we're not going to use it because it's not fair. Or whether we go, well, that's what we've been given the benefit of. It would be a shame not to use it. And imagine if you had blessed us. If you were like, you know, we really want to bless Trevor and Karen. We're going to buy private health care for them. And then imagine if we went, no, 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 no. I don't want, I don't want, to, I don't want to make the most of that because it's not fair. It would be almost criminal to not make the most of what has been given to us. It's a privilege. It's a privilege that we're, you know, and I recognise that. And I recognise it's a privilege that probably nobody else in this room has. I don't know. Oh, I was about to do a show of hands, but let's not, right? I strongly suspect we're the only people who've got access to that. And I don't know if you were to listen to us and us go, no, we're not going to use that. And you're like, why not? You've got access. You're able to get to see a doctor. Don't wait around. Make the most of what's been given to you. It would be outrageous to not make the most of the privilege that's been given to us. If we could share it, it would be outrageous not to share it as well. You know, if I could give you access to that and go, just pretend you're Trevor Hall. And go, if I could do that, I would. Right? And so we have an attitude of this. And it's somewhat the, the, the title of the, the message today. And can you put it onto the sermon slides for me? That would be great, right? And it's this concept, which is, therefore, since we have this privilege. Therefore, since it's been given to us, since we have that, let us make the most of it. You know, even if you feel bad about what you've got, you, like, you want to share it. You want to make the most of what has been given to you. 
And I've been telling you for the past few weeks, actually, since we come back in the building, about this concept that we are followers of Jesus. And I use this analogy a number of times now about the fact that it's not about crossing a line and going, I'm now a Christian, I'm wearing a badge, and I can just sit back and relax. But we are facing towards Jesus. We turn our face to him, and we put our face towards Jesus, and we want to become more like him, and we follow, want to follow his ways. But in reality, that's only half the story. The other half of the story, the great half of the story, is he turns his face towards us. It's not just as, about us following him and setting our hearts upon him, as we sung this morning about his love never fails, that his heart is for you and I. And so when you read in the Bible things that, you know, I don't know about you, do, do, do you when you talk to people, if you, hopefully you do talk to people about your Christian faith, when you do, you may well come across that thing where people go, it's just a book of rules, things that you can't do and things that you can do. And, and you might say to them, no, 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 it's not, it's not. When you're a Christian, it's not a book of rules anymore. It's a relationship. It's not religion, it's relationship. It's not a bunch of do's and don'ts. But we're going to start a series this week that goes on for the next number of weeks until we get to Christmas, pretty much, that sounds like a bunch of rules. The series is called Let Us, because we're going to read over a number of weeks a lot of statements that says, let us do this, let us do that, let us do the other, which is a nice, polite way of saying, do this, don't do that. And so we're looking, going, and I thought this wasn't a religion of do's and don'ts, but now you're telling me it is. And I want to say, I want you to get your head around this, that this is not a things that we have to do, not things that we should do, but things that we get to do. I don't have to use my private health care, but I get to. There's a thing that's been purchased for me that I get to be able to make use of, and it would be criminal not to. And I want to get ahead around the fact that there are things that because Jesus has purchased us, because he's put his face towards us, because he loves us, that we get to do. And it would be almost criminal not to. And so this week's message is, therefore, since we have. And I'll make sense of that. You might go, that's a strange title. But I want you to hear it, that there's a therefore. Therefore, since we have this, my example, private health care, in reality, it's therefore, since we have what Jesus purchased for us, let us. And over a number of weeks, you're going to hear lots of messages about let us, let us, let us. But we're going to start with, therefore, since we have. So let me read this to you. It's from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 25. If you've got your Bibles with you, I encourage you to open them or open your app. Although you might not be able to find the translation I'm using. Because um, I'm reading it from the NLTH, which is the New Living Trevor Hall version. Um, and it goes like this. It's, uh, it's, it goes like this. It's what it says in Hebrews 10, 19 to 25 in the uh, New Living Trevor Hall version. But it's not that far off from the New Living Translation. So, um, But you're, if you're reading the NLT, you'll see where I've changed it slightly. But I've not been heretical, I promise you. I'm just Right, this is what it says. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence, he said, therefore, since we have, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart full of assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled, 
clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Let us not neglect to meet together, as is the habit of some, and let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. As I come to read this passage a number of weeks ago and see that I think there was a, I don't want to go there yet, uh, there's a series uh, in this. I'm seeing this structure, therefore, since we let us. And there's this logic that flows through it. The words aren't written randomly. There's a flow. And, and, you know, I was thinking about this. If if you jumped into the middle of a a, a notice, imagine, go way, way back 18 months ago, and you just clicked into a video or, you know, an announcement I was making and said, and therefore, we're not going to be meeting for the next few weeks. We're going to be doing it all on video. You'd be like, why are we doing that? There's a, well, hang on, therefore, what, what happened before? And I've jumped in the middle here. When we get to this, we're jumping in the middle. So there's a therefore, since we let us. And all the other weeks are going to be the let us. But this week, we're going to start with this therefore, since we have. And so I want you to think about this. Think about this, this little picture here. So I don't know if anyone who's recently been to Wales recognizes this. This is... The top of Snowdon. Okay, so so I've been to the top of Snowdon a while ago. It was not this clear on the day that I went there. Have you been to? Was it that clear when you were there, Dave? Was it that clear when you went up there? Could you see? Sort of, right? Yeah, you never quite know what you're going to get with Wales. This is the top of Snowdon. And when you get to the top of Snowdon, you have this amazing view. And it would be a real shame if you were a climber who climbed all the way up Snowdon to get to the top and go. Oh, yeah, it's nice up here, isn't it? Right off we go. If you're like, no, you're meant to stop. If you're, I don't know about you, we drive along and suddenly you'll see this amazing sunset. We often stop the car, take a photo, get out, look at it. It's like, you know, if you go somewhere beautiful to see, it's intended for you to stop and stare and take in the beauty of it. And I want to do that this week. I want to stop. Before we get into the let us, before we get into the let us this and let us that, and let us the other, these great things that we get to do, I want to stop and stare at the view. It's also, it's a firm foundation. It's a firm foundation, this. This, this bit on Snowden, you go to the top of Snowden, you are there on a firm foundation. Now, the funny thing is, is you could build something rickety on the top of it. That'd be a bit crazy. You want to stand on a firm foundation and look out the view, and that's where we are this week. We're looking out at what this message says. And it's funny, actually, for me, because I'm, I tend to be the sort of person who wants to give a kind of big challenge. You know, this is what you must do, or this is what will be good for you, or, you know, the last few weeks have been really challenging about following Jesus and going for him, and, you know, and for me, I have to discipline myself to not get there yet. I think that's what will come in the coming weeks. Let us do this and let us do that. And these are great things we get to do. Right now, we're just going to stop and not speed past the view, but stand on a solid foundation and take it in. So it starts this word, therefore. And I think this is a really good lesson to learn whenever you read the Bible, to ask yourself, when you see a therefore, you ask yourself, what is it there for? 
And you, you'll find, therefore, throughout the Bible, if you jump into your daily reading and you get to it and it says, therefore, there is now no condemnation, stop. And go, what is that therefore, therefore? It's there for a reason. And so the funny thing is, is this therefore, in the middle of Hebrews, chapter 10, is a therefore that changes the whole direction of the book of Hebrews. The therefore that we read, just that single word, is like going, having read all of the previous nine chapters and a bit of chapter 10, therefore. So, wow, how am I going to summarize the first nine chapters of Hebrews in a sermon this morning? Well, I thought about it like this. There's a couple of analogies you could think of. One of my, the first analogy I had was like a hinge of a book. You know, you, you, you know you, you're reading almost like two hinges of two pages. There's a bit, and there's this hinge in the bit. And that's what it turns. I thought, no, it doesn't work. So the other analogy I come up with that I'm hoping works for you is a roller coaster. Now the challenge is some people don't don't like roller coasters, but just bear with me, right? Because you might go, I don't, I don't, I don't want to go on a roller coaster. I don't like roller coasters, right? Suspend that a moment. Embrace your inner child. Hannah and Abigail were at Thorpe Park this week. Did you ride the roller coasters? Was you scared? No, you were really, but right. So if you go on a roller coaster. What happens on uh, the, the classic roller coaster rides, if you've ever been on one, you get in the cart, the bar comes down, and you start to climb. What's the sound that you're hearing? <laughs> the, the heart panicking characters. <laughs> There's this clicking noise. As you get carried up this, this, this high bit, right, this big climb, if you go on the big roller coaster, it goes on and on, and all you can see is the sky in front of you, and as you're going up, you're in click, click. Click, click, and you are going up. There is a position where you get to the top and you're stopping clicking. Yeah, you're already starting to feel it in your tummy, aren't you, right? And you're going from the clicking that goes up the hill to the bit just at the top before you start to come down. Now, I knew my son would be here, so I thought I'd throw a bit of science stuff in it. And those of you who like science stuff as well, do you know what's actually happening when you are going up there, there's a something going on called kinetic energy. Am I right? Yeah, I'm right. Yeah. It's the problem as well. He critiques me if I'm wrong, right? So, so, so when you're going up, energy, kinetic energy has been put into you and into this cart. There's every click that's pulling you up there, the motor that's pulling you up there is transferring energy to you so that at the top you have all that acceleration that happens. It isn't just gravity, it's energy that's been placed in you by carrying you up the top there. That kinetic energy is what is carrying you down. And, and if you were the one climbing, you'd feel the energy it was taking to get up there in order to then roll down the other side. But fortunately, this motor carries you up there. And I want you to think about this word, therefore, is like the peak. But the therefore looks, you know, you don't arrive at the top of the peak of the roller coaster, do you? You climb the roller coaster, it, or it carries you up. And praise God, all of Hebrews 1 to 9 is not about you climbing your own mountain. It's not about you ascending this big peak. It's about all the stuff that Jesus has done. All the way that he has taken us up to this peak. So when we get to the top, therefore let us, and we get to experience what Jesus has already purchased for us. The great thing is I don't actually need to summarize chapters 1 to 9. I'll do a little bit of it, but the best thing is the great thing about Hebrews, this happens a lot in the Bible if you look for it, is right at the very beginning, 
the writer of the Hebrews gives a summary. So let's have a read the first three verses of the book of Hebrews, which sets up all the next nine chapters. This is what it says in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now, in these final days, he has spoken to us through his Son. God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance. And through the Son, he created the universe. The Son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. Every statement in this is like a cog clicking up the ride. I want you to grasp this because I can't, I could preach, I don't know, nine weeks of Hebrews 1 to 9 maybe, but we've not got the time. So I want you to see this. It's like you're on this roller coaster and you get in and you start to climb and you hear the first click as you go up there. Christ is the final revelation of God. That's what this Hebrews chapter is telling us, is that Jesus is the revelation of God. All this mystery that's gone on before of what is God like is now seen in Jesus. Click. It goes up. It says he is the co-creator with God. This is not just someone who's on the sidelines. When we read the creation story, he was intimately involved in the creation. He was the co-creator. Click. We go up a bit more. He rules over everything. Everything. Everything is subject to Jesus. He is sovereign over it all. And we click up some more on here. And we see that Jesus reflects the glory of God. This glory that Dave spoke about this morning, about when Moses saw the glory of God, Jesus is radiating that glory of God. We click up some more. It says he bears the very stamp of God's nature. Exactly what God is like is exactly what Jesus is like. There's not a difference between them. This is completely the nature of God, his love and his passion and his compassion and his mercy and his grace is all embodied in Jesus. And it carries on, we're clicking up, we're getting up nearer to the top. He sustains everything, everything by the power of his word. Everything is held together by the words, even the breath of Jesus and the words he speaks holds this whole universe together. It's all sustained. Jesus changes the word. It all disintegrates. It is held together. Every atom is held together by the power of his word. This is, we're climbing this roller coaster. This is the work of Jesus. And not only that, he's reconciled us to God. Through him, we now get to have reconciliation with God. The distance is gone. The separation is gone. It says that he is the king. Jesus Christ is king. These clicks up the roller coaster is building energy in us, building reality in us that says this is who he is. You know what I find? I find the more I ponder Jesus, the more I do that stopping like on the top of Snowden and just stopping and staring at the view, the more I stop to stare at Jesus, reading some of these things, taking in these statements, the more I want to follow him. I spoke the last few weeks about us following Jesus, being followers of him, following his way, 
given up our lives for him, the more I gaze at him, the more I read about his wonder and his glory, the more it builds something in me. And I want to encourage you this morning, equally like we did in worship this morning. I don't know about you. Worship changes things. I could have said very similar to what Karen said this morning. I was crying at the front here just through the power of just the words that we confess. The more we stare at Jesus, the more we take him in, it builds within us a passion and a desire that says, I want to worship you. I want to follow you. You are mine and I'm yours, and you love me, and I love you, and it builds that. Uh, the best advice I can give you, actually, is go off and read chapters 1 to 9 of Hebrews. It just constantly talks about how Jesus is so much better. That is the theme of Hebrews 1 to 9, is just how amazing Jesus is. And it continually contrasts him throughout these first nine chapters of how he's better than this and better than that and better than the other. He talks about he's better than the angels. People who think about this amazing having an encounter with an angel. He's better than the angels. He's so much better than the angels. Speaking to the Hebrews, we've got the the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament, all these great patriarchs of Moses and Aaron and Joshua. And he's he's so much better than those. Jesus is so much better. It talks about how... He is, he, he is greater than the priests who would minister for them. And he, he ministers in a greater tabernacle. They had their focus on the tabernacle, the sanctuary. I mean, this is our tabernacle. We love it since it's been redecorated, but we know it's not amazing. Nick, Nick and Anne, yes, they went to go to Westminster Cathedral. And it's like, that's a pretty great place to visit. We've been to the, um, St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. It's amazing. You know, they, they focus on these buildings and he goes, he's so much better. He's got a tabernacle, his home within you, that's so much more glorious than these bricks and mortar. This is what you read in 1 to 9. And there's such a a greater covenant, a greater promise from God is what it talks about. It talks about how we're invited into a greater relationship. And Jesus brings a greater sacrifice, all these sacrifices that went before. This is all this stuff. When he gets to therefore, he's building on all of that stuff. And you need that foundation in your life. And he's saying to them, we're not going back to the way it was, which is really important for us, especially when you think about the do's and don'ts. Because we know that our Christian faith is not a book of rules and don't do this and do do that. That's not what it's about. And we know that because everywhere, particularly in the New Testament letters and in Hebrews as well, it says, look at how it was when we had all these book of rules. Look at what it was like. Jesus is so much better than that. It's no longer that we have to do this and we have to do that, but we get to do this. We get to experience the greatness of God and his blessings and what he has in store for us by following his way. I remember, um, again, I'm sorry if I'm rubbing your nose in it, but I remember when we first got a dishwasher. For those of you who don't have a dishwasher, I'm sorry. But I remember our early married years. I remember those nights. (laughs) Going to bed. Piles of washing up in the kitchen. Get up in the morning. They were still there. It was just on. It was just welded on a bit harder, wasn't it? Right, you know, right. And we would build it up until we had no plates left. And then you're like, well, we're after the washing up, aren't we? Right, because there's nothing else to eat on. That one looks vaguely clean. Okay, let's use that one. Right, you know, right. And then, bless them, Stephen Carenza gave us their old dishwasher. It was this little slimline dishwasher. It transformed our lives. It's like, wow, a dishwasher. You just put it in there, push the button, and, you know, and it's like, wow, you wake up in the morning and the magic fairy's done it. And you can still got to unload it, but, you know, it's nothing like that big pile of washing up that you had. It's like transforming our lives. 
And then a couple of months ago, our dishwasher broke. It's not the same one that Stephen Crenny gave us. We've moved on to them. But, right? And it's like, oh, my goodness me, after every meal, you have to wash up. It's like, we are getting another dishwasher. We're not going back to the way it was. I've experienced what it's like now. We're not going back. And that's where Paul's at. Well, I don't know if Paul wrote Hebrews. There's a lot of debate about it. But the writer of the Hebrews is saying, we know what it was like, but now we've experienced a much better covenant. We're not going back there. We're not going back to rules and regulations. We're going to live in the reality of the therefore, this amazing promise. And so he starts to build on that. He says, therefore, since we have. So it's like, therefore, since Jesus is so great, therefore, because he's better than everything, therefore, because this is a greater covenant, therefore, because he's a greater sacrifice, therefore. And then he switches the word slightly and says, since we have. And he talks about the things that we have. Since we have confidence to enter he talks about so since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh he says therefore it's the reason why it sounds like an incomplete sentence is because it is it's therefore since we have and since we have let us so we're, we're in the middle of a sentence here we're saying since we have confidence to enter this holy place and again, he's spoken about it all through Hebrews 1 to 9. He's outlined it, I think it's in chapter 9, he starts to outline how the tabernacle worked. There was an outer court, and then there was an inner court where people got to go at special times. And then there was a, a super inner court, the Holy of Holies, the most holy place. The only one person, the priest, the high priest, got to enter, and he only got to enter it once per year. And then when there were a few of them, they'd take it on a rotation, so you didn't even get to visit every year. And he says, we get to enter that holy place. Again, I encourage you, go read chapter 9. The New Living Translation and the Passion Translation are great versions for chapter 9 just to bring alive the reality of how it used to be. And we get so used to the fact this morning, we get to come in and enter the holy place with Jesus. That's an amazing privilege. It's like my private health care. I don't want to take it for, for granted. I look out and I go, others don't have that. And the world out there doesn't have the blessing that we do that we get to enter the holy place why would you not why would you not why would you not want to spend time with the holy of holies why would you want to overlook that and miss that we get to we don't have to but we get to this is what it says in hebrews 9 12 with his own blood not the blood of goats and calves he entered the most holy place for all time and secured our redemption forever this confidence we have isn't based on you or me. You can have a rubbish week. I don't just mean like bad things have happened to you. You could have sinned greatly. You could have let God down greatly. You could look at yourself and go, oh, I'm just no good. No, woe is me. Your confidence is not in you. Your confidence is in the fact that Jesus has been there and secured a place for you. He's bought a ticket for you. He's got a place that you're welcomed in. So it's not about what you've got. It's about what he's already purchased for us. That's our confidence. We have that. And it's weird, this thing about blood. Don't you think Christians are a bit obsessed with blood? I was reading this this week, you know, since we have confidence to enter the holy place, by the blood of Jesus. We get a bit, I don't know whether you do or not, we get a bit comfortable talking about the blood of Jesus. Strangers come in and they're like, what are you on about? It's like sacrificial rites and things, you know. This stuff about the blood of Jesus is weird. I decided to immerse myself in this concept this week. I created a Spotify playlist. And I searched the worship anims for songs that spoke about the blood of Jesus. 
I wrote one myself. That's not on Spotify. That was a shame. But apart from that, right, you know, right, you know, Matt Rebens, nothing but the blood. And now I'm going to forget all the songs I can think of. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. There's all these songs about the blood of Jesus. And, and I just listen to them more and more. And, you know, it's a bit, you know, when you say a word over and over again, it sounds weird the more you say it. It was like that. It's like the more I listened, I thought, this is kind of weird, really. No one else goes around singing about blood. But the reality is, is Jesus shed his blood on the cross. It wasn't just an ethereal death, not just a concept. It was a yucky, quite uncomfortable thing to think about, to look at, to ponder, reality of death. And it's through that that we have confidence. Because he, he went through that for us. He purchased that for us. There's no other way. There's no other way. You're not going to get to the Holy of Holies through any other way, the Word of God says. It's only going to be through Jesus. No other religion, no other Savior, no other person, no other place is going to get you but the blood of Jesus. That's, that's the, the anchor upon which we rest. That's upon which the salvation is purchased. He also talks about, it, about a new and living way. So it's not an old way, it's a new and living way. It's funny he talks about this um, thing about his, the, the curtain. Did you catch this when he said, he said, by the new and living way, he opened for us through the curtain. That is through his flesh. And he's trying to bring a life for all of them, this holy of holies, this tabernacle that they would have known. We don't, we don't have a church like this. We don't have a special curtain around this bit where the holy of holies is. So it's a bit weird. But they used to. They had a, the most holy place had a curtain. And no one could go through the curtain unless they'd been ritually cleansed and they were the high priest and once per year and all this ritual. And when Jesus died, that curtain gets torn open in two. The way to the Holy of Holies is open for all now. You know, people think Christianity is about how do I get to heaven when I die? That's what I want to do. I want to, I want to become a Christian. Then I've got my ticket to heaven for when I die, I know where I'm going. But this Holy of Holies being rent open, the blood of Jesus, the body of Jesus purchasing that for us, means that you get to get into heaven while you're alive. That's what he's trying to say. This is a change of perspective for us. It's not just about we're living here on earth with all the rubbish and the difficulties and the challenges we face and the obstacles, and then one day I'm going to get in heaven, and you will. One of those confessions this week was talking about the new body we're going to get and just rejoice and there won't be pain and I'll be set free from my body and this knee that I keep still under these exercises to stop hurting me, right? You know, it's a mild affliction compared to things other people face. That will happen. But we can, it's what, you want a posh phrase, it's called an underreaching eschatology. Eschatology is about what happens in the end times. Underreaching means we kind of think it's just for there. Overreach is when you think you get it all now, right? So, but, but so often we underreach our eschatology. We underexpect what of heaven to experience now because we're only going to get that in glory. And that curtain has been torn open and the Holy of Holies is open through his body. So since we have confidence to enter, and I pray you do, I pray 
Every week you don't feel like, I can't come to church this week because I'm not good enough this week. He says, have confidence, not in yourself, but through the blood of Jesus, through the sacrifice that's been purchased for you, through the curtain that he's ripped open. You can have confidence to come and experience. And also, not just church, in your own home, in your own bedroom or your broom cupboard or wherever it goes to meet God in the loo or whatever, right? You can have confidence to meet with God. You don't have to be shy and ashamed and go, I I can't speak to God today. I, I just blew it today. No, you can have confidence. Therefore, since he is a greater sacrifice and greater than the angels and greater than Moses and a greater tabernacle and a greater prize, because of that, since that, we can have confidence to enter and come to Jesus and say, Lord, I need to meet with you today. I'm not worthy. I don't deserve it. But you purchased it for me. Therefore, since we have confidence to enter. But also, he says, since we have a great high priest. He says these two things. Since we have confidence to enter, and he says since we have a great high priest. And remember, this week is setting you up for the coming weeks. This is the foundation upon it all resting. When you hear the others preaching, I'm going to do some of them. Dave Tate's doing one. Annie's doing one. And you're going to hear about let us, let us, let us. It's because of these things, because we have confidence to enter, and because we have a great high priest. This is Jesus. Jesus, the great high priest. Since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us. He is the great high priest. And again, it kind of depends on what your experience is or your knowledge. depends on what you're going to make sense of that. For these people, they knew what the high priest was. They lived in that system. And, and the writer of the Hebrews is coming along and saying, we have a much, much, much better high priest than the one you're used to. Nowadays, people mistakenly intertwine these and think, oh, this is like we have someone better than the pastor or the vicar or the priest or the reverend or the bishop. None of those titles are this. He's talking about Old Testament priests. In the New Testament, None of us who have a responsibility to the church, we're not the replacement for the priests. The priests in the Old Testament would intercede for the people. They would be in between. The people couldn't get to God directly. They needed a priest in the middle to, to intervene for them. They were holy enough to be able to do that. They cleansed themselves. They would go into the Holy of Holies. I'm making out this is the Holy of Holies. They would go into the Holy of Holies and plead for the people. The new covenant changed everything. I don't do that for you. I don't go and ask God to forgive you. I go ask him to forgive me. <laughs> I've got no greater access than you have. Because we've all got access through this great high priest. This old system was a shadow of the things to come. We do need someone to mediate for us. We do need someone to go before God and say, forgive them. We do need someone to go before God. And that is Jesus. It's not me. It's not the vicar down the road. It's Jesus. He goes in. He has been into the Holy of Holies. He has ripped open the curtain. He has secured a place for us. He has forever interceded before the Father for you and for me. And so you don't need someone to intermediate for you any more than Jesus. He's enough. You don't need anything else. Nothing more is going to stand in the gap for you than Jesus. If someone else needs to, then Jesus didn't do it all. He didn't complete the work on the cross. Even more so, we have a great high priest, which is Jesus, and then he says that you're a priest, and you're a priest, and you're a priest, and you're a priest, and we are priests. That's the position we get. 
we get to stand. I mean, if you don't believe that, go and read 1 Peter 2.9. We're, we're, you know, God has made us a kingdom of priests. We're royal priesthood, a holy people. Or read Revelations 1.6 where it talks about being a priesthood. You are a priest, right? I might have the title of pastor. We're all priests. And Jesus is our great high priest. And so I want to tell you, I love praying with people Standing with you, put my arm around and praying for you. I'll happily do that again today for anyone who wants prayer. But I can't pray on your behalf. God doesn't hear my prayer better than he does yours. In actual fact, every time someone wants me to pray for them, I want to really lead them in praying to God and standing with them because the relationship is not via me. Jesus does all that. I can stand with you, but I can't stand for you. I can't stand on your behalf. That's not my role. Don't ask me to. I'll stand with you. I'll help you say the words to say, but it's about your relationship with God, not me. Jesus is in the middle. He's, he's made a way. Believe me, if you trust me to make a way for you, you're going to be highly disappointed, right? I, I need Jesus to stand in the gap for me. I'm not going to be able to do it for you. He's there for us. He's forever interceding for us. And so this, this, this beginning bit is just, it's going to feel incomplete because we're just at the beginning. We're just climbing up the roller coaster. We're just getting to the peak. We're just building up the therefore since we have. Since we have all this, let us. And over the coming weeks, you're going to hear about, you know, let us draw closer to God. Because of all this stuff that's happened, let us live with hope. Because of all this stuff that's happened, let us not forsake meeting together because of all this stuff that's happened. Let's stir up one another because of all this stuff that's happened. Let's look forward to the return of Christ because of all this stuff that happened. All the next few weeks rest upon this foundation. And maybe each of us, different preachers, we, we might repeat that or not, I don't know. But I want you to hold that, that we get to do stuff. We get to, it's our privilege that we can live with hope. It's our privilege that we can gather. It's our privilege that we can look forward to Jesus. It's our privilege that we can stir one another up. These are the things that Jesus already purchased for us that we can now step into. And a bit like my example at the beginning, why would you not? Why would we not take hold of what Jesus already grabbed on for us? Why would you not want to get into the place of being in close relationship with God when he has made a way? Why would you not want to stir someone up and encourage them when he has got so much for us to be encouraged by? That's what we're going to get with some testimonies in a minute. To stir one another up because we get to. When Dave said this morning, no one share anything, no one has to. No one has to. But you get to. It's an opportunity to stir one another up. No one has to. We get to. So I, I want to. Um, I, I, I've learned something through lockdown. That before lockdown, we used to just preach "Amen" cup of tea. I won't mention the tea. You can see the daggers in the back there, right? You get to enjoy the own tea that you brought with you in your nice uh, flask that you brought. But it doesn't give time to absorb it, and so we started to just get a bit more of a. You know, we're not. We think we're not a traditional church. Every church is traditional. We have traditions, don't you, right? So we're going to do a song. So, Dave, if you can bring the band back. I want us to worship. And then after that, we'll, we'll just share some testimonies. And again, I don't want to have to read off my phone what's online. You can read someone else's testimony. So, you know, maybe we want to look on the church online platform and see. I know Ness shared something, and if others have on there, I don't know, then share those. 
But therefore, considering that Jesus is better than it all, he's greater than it all, since we have confidence to enter, since we have a great high priest, let us, and this morning it's let us worship. Let's just adore him. Let's just worship Jesus because he is so worthy.